When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I'm colorblind, Joe, so you tell me, what do I see in these stands? Because I know you just said we're in Boulder. This looks really red. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you take out of consideration the Colorado student section, what do you think? 70% red? It is going to be some kind of environment. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave Honky. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Coach Frost has a 24-hour rule for the team after games. Well, here at the Redcast, it's more like 24 to 72, depending on the outcome. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I would like to ask you all out there to join me in a petition to sign some sort of legal binding contract that does not allow Honky and Dave to go to away (laughs) games anymore because you guys only bring losses. I'm sorry. It's true. It needs to stop. (laughs) Me in particular, Mac. I have to admit. I'm so sorry, Dave. Clearly my fault. And uh, if this doesn't prove the case, I don't know what will. (laughs) Boomer, what do you got for me? Well, I just like to say no worries, Redcasters. I mean, when's the last time we struggled with a lesser opponent in week one, lost to a middling Pac-12 team in a close effort, and then had Northern Illinois on deck? That's never gone wrong for us in the past. Ominous. Shut up, Boomer. Ominous uh, foreshadowing, right. Boom. Thanks, Boomer. Thanks. Really. Just trying really, to help uh, out, Dave. Yeah, you know, I was trying to spin this as a positive. Uh, very hard to do. <laughs> I actually sat through the fourth quarter there in Folsom Field with Honky to my side. only thing I could come up with is... Uh, we've referenced a year or two of Texas with Tom Herman Mack and, and how that turned out pretty well for Texas, right? They beat Oklahoma in the regular season, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. That team lost to a Maryland team early in the season that should never have lost. And uh, here we are, Nebraska. I don't feel like we should have lost to Colorado on Saturday. And uh, maybe the season is still in front of us, right? Honky, do you have any positive vibes you can give us? I think people need to settle down a little bit. Really? You think so? Look, things went awry there at the end of that game. But, I mean, as far as goals for the season and what's ahead of us, everything's there. There's a lot of good. There is a lot of progress that's happened. I 100% agree with you on everything can get better and some people need to relax. However, I will say this. I know you guys were at the game, but watching it from home and when they finally gave you a shot of what the stadium looked like and you see all those, all that red inside the stadium and you know this kind of movement that's been going on in the offseason – Husker fans showing up and taking that over Boulder. You know, so so when somebody tells those fans, you guys need to calm down. You know what? No, you don't. You went out there. You'd spent 300 bucks a ticket. You spent however much money to get out there and have a tailgate and take over Boulder. Husker yeah. fans, no way, though. If they went out there and did it. If you want to complain about the performance on the field, totally fair. Yeah. Now, if you're going to take that to the nth degree and talk about getting rid of Frost, I don't even know what See, kind of human you are. That's so. But Husker fans have every right to be upset. You, there's not a guy on that team that was happy with that process. But I'm, but I get tired of the Husker media or the media in general going. You know, Husker fans need to calm down. No, we don't. That's not no, what I, I was referencing earlier because I was one of those fans that spent the three hundred dollars and exactly. went to Boulder. But anybody talking already fourteen games into Frost tenure about t- he needs to go. I've read on ma- message boards, which is stupid to be reading them anyways. But how we don't have an assistant coach that could be on a power five coaching staff right now i've talked to people dave after the game that talked about benching martinez stupid i have a rule in my house because i'm a dad and i can do it i have a first grader and i say i'm not arguing with seven-year-olds now when i'm talking to to a fan that says things like that or writes things like that guess what i'm just not going to argue with you i can't tell you what to do i'm not your dad but i'm not going to argue with you that's stupid frost we have the right people in place stay the course we have the right people let them keep doing this week after week. Yeah. When you do the right things and you do them long enough, the good things will come. It's a lot. I thought we were there at 17 yeah. to nothing. I'll tell you what. There wasn't a CU fan in the house that thought they were going to win. Nope. They started leaving at halftime. Yeah, that's true. You're allowed as a fan, and you can still be a good fan, you're allowed to point out Pet poor point out, football. Yes. If, if you see poor football, 
It's completely within the realm of fandom to say, that's not going to cut it. And when you're that kind of fan, I can live with that. But when you start going off the ledge about, well, these Frosties, he's just incapable. It's, you can't make halftime adjustments. It's, the scheme has already been figured out. I'm like, I literally don't know where to start. I can't even, and I just walk away and go, you're probably right. I can't you should even, stop watching football. It's too hard for you. Yeah. This is not a sport <laughs> you can you can possibly you know inter- enjoy and entertain. I'm like, listen, man. I'm not about to go down in the dumps in week two of a college football season. I work all year long to like contain my energy for. It. So yes, bad loss. Yes, some bad football. Hey, boomer, let's uh, let's bring you in here. I mean, you're usually Mister Negative, but um, I don't know if you share that right now. I mean, what's your uh, your vibe after this disappointing loss? It is disappointing, and I tend to agree with kind of that amalgamation of what Mac and Hockey are saying on that. We do have to kind of just realize it is week two. Um, we've got a lot of season to go. You know, I hate to break out that whole our goals are still intact kind of line. We've heard that before. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't a great week. We've had a slow start to this season. I don't think it's what any Husker fans expected. And like Max says, I think we do have a right to call out bad football when it's happening. And we've seen some bad football in two weeks. Now we want to see if the staff can correct it. So it's setting up. You've got two weeks here against opponents that... On in paper, you know, you should be able to make those corrections and see what you can actually do. So let's go ahead and do that. And you know, if we're still having these conversations when Ohio State's rolling into town, then sure, we can criticize bad play when we see it. It's week two, and see where we can go from here. So hockey, we have seen bad play, but I think we've seen good things as well. I have a sense that we have got a lot of feedback from the Redcast Nation on this. Would you like to just kind of open up the show as kind of a uh, therapy session and let's have the doctor prescribe some some good vibes here and just do a mailbag session? Yeah, I mean, I think all of us need a little bit of the good feeling that can come from maybe just talking through this, going through the mailbag. Let's and talk it out, guys. Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. We're in the trust tree It's right a trust now. tree. Is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But this is, you can say what you want to say here. No one's, no judgment. All right. Well, we're going to start. Twitter. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> going to start not on Twitter. We're going to start from our Go Big Redcast at Gmail account. And Springfield Nate, he asked, do any of you ever feel the need to step back and take a break from football? He went on to say that he's been in a funk well into uh, Monday evening after the loss. And I guess my initial answer to this, and then Dave, I'll, I'll go over to you because we have our own story of right after the game. But I would tell you, Springfield Nate, that that is completely and totally normal. And it's normal in normal losses, and it's certainly normal in a loss like this weekend, which was just crushing and last second and all that. But Dave, we had our own uh, right after the game. We went right to a what? We had a party bus lined up. Um, <laughs> oh, maybe that was presumptuous. Bus, huh? <laughs> um, but we had 15, 16 people in there ready to have a great time. We were going to bar hop to different Husker bars through the Denver Metro oh, back God. to our home base. And uh, that did not play out as expected. So it's kind of like a non-party bus, really. Um, we tried mm-hmm. our best. Well, they tried our best. I, I just couldn't do it. I mean, to Springfield Nate's point, I take losses very hard. Not necessarily. There's some people that take a loss where they start, start swearing and like get very vocal and all those type of things. I, I typically don't do that. I usually in, kind of internalize it, uh, and I just can't really enjoy anything. And honestly, I, I pretty much am going to be in a foul mood to some level till Saturday when we kick off again against Northern Illinois. I just don't really. I'm not not going to be a happy fellow again, and and not all losses are created equal. Uh, this one being there in person, f- being up seventeen nothing, feeling that we're going to break the the streak that I have endured since 1995. Very frustrating loss uh, for myself personally. Externally, I put on the brave face, try to smile, but internally, it kills me on the inside. Mac. You know, it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know how you guys cultivate the people that you watch games with, but there are a certain kind of fan that I cannot watch a game with, and it's the constant complaining, the constant pointing out, the constant we suck, this and that. If we lose, it's like I can't be around those people because I the last thing I want to do is argue why we're because I'll I'll just immediately argue if you say we're terrible I'm like no we're not because of this but it's like oh, I don't even want to do that it, 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 you're right Dave it, it becomes an internal process I just want to not talk about it I want to not think about it I don't want to watch Sports Center because I know there's going to either be highlights <laughs> of it or there's going to be highlights that would have meant something had we won the game and that hurts even more 
So I just played a lot of Candy Crush. Actually, that was my Saturday <laughs> night. I played I played a lot of Candy Crush. I actually had company. They were outside playing horse after the game. I'm like, come on, let's go play. I'm like, I just can't. It's interesting, Mac. I've heard you talk about that before where you just like don't watch football for the rest of the day after we, we lose, which is another reason not to like early kickoffs, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> it, it kills me. It kills me. You know, I, it's weird in the sense that since we've slipped from the national spotlight, we're not mentioned as often after a loss as we used used to be which really was hard to handle i do actually try to force myself to watch more football because i do love college football so much so i mean i like with honky i was like let's watch the texas lsu game let's let's check this stuff out but i don't want to read anything from uh, a a new source or twitter not only for 24 hours it can go on beyond that boomer what, what's your uh, coping mechanism well, as uh, fans of our Twitter feed have probably noticed, uh, you know, the Redcast on the Rocks helps a lot of things out. Uh, <laughs> smooth a lot of things over. But I guess I don't go into, you know, complete, you know, football shutdown funk. Uh, as Max mentioned before, the season's short, it's over fast, and I hate to just, you know, let a whole game or a whole day get destroyed by, you know, a loss. Uh, I do always want to try to watch the games that are still available. I enjoy watching, you know. Other teams play as well. The Texas LSU game was fun to watch, and I just don't want to, you know, miss those opportunities when they're there. There's so few, and it's such a limited time of this season. I try not to let it, you know, totally get me down. I'm still going to be depressed about it. I try not to, you know, dwell on the negativity on the internet and you know, fighting randos on Twitter too much. Uh, I occasionally a little bit, and I'll still poke and prod other teams when I get the chance. So Tennessee's always there for us for that. <laughs> Yeah, you could still just try to enjoy the season as best you can. It, it's not easy. I understand that. But, you know, it's it's short. Just take the games when you can. Honky, uh, you have anything on this? I'd say football. I never tire of football. And football doesn't tire me. Uh, overreacting fans making stupid statements do tire me. And so I will try to yeah. shut them out. Whether, Like I said, if it's online, I just – that's easy. But, I mean, I literally – I've just ended a few conversations with people over the last few days that have just said some of the dumbest things. Some people don't so, know how to deal with the hurt. You know, you got to yeah. let the hurt hurt. You got to yeah. let the hurt hurt. It's okay because then it makes the joy all the better. It's up and down kind of college football season. Listen, man, we don't know what kind of team we have yet. There's so many games yet to play. And I will find reason every week, every Husker game to watch and enjoy. And if we win, I'll be ecstatic. Yep. So, well, let's let's move on from that here. And we had a couple of questions, and we've had a ton come in here. So thank you very much, Redcasters. Aura De Cody on Facebook and Alex T on Twitter. We have two different Alexes Maybe on Twitter. we should call this Redcast on the Couch, like a therapy we session could. when we do the... <laughs> well, the doctor is in. I mean, that's, <laughs> the doctor that's right. He's in. Redcast on the Couch. But we had Aura De Cody from Facebook, and we had Alex T from Twitter both ask us basically a question about what is the Huskers' number one issue right now. Alex T went on a little bit more to say, you know, what's the biggest piece missing from this team? But so just in general, number one issue, what we can fix, you know, where are we at right now? I'll start with you, Mac. The number one issue we need to fix, this is so coach speak and so cliche, but it's just playing four quarters. I mean, I've seen enough football from this team this year so far that for the most part, the the players that I thought we had are there. Adrian's Adrian. Maurice Washington's explosive. Wandell's going to be fine. I've seen offensive line improve this week. The defensive line's been good. The secondary's been balling out. It's a matter of putting the whole game together. And whatever that ingredient is called, that's the thing we miss. Possibly a little bit of depth going forward, but right now to be a maximized team, we just need to, we just need to play four quarters. That's it. That's the missing ingredient. Consistency throughout four quarters. Yeah. We've had two games or in both of them, we've been up three scores and in one of them, we almost gave up the game and the other one, we did give it up. So to that point, we talked about that there's been a lot of bad plays and so on, but there's been a lot of good plays too. I think Adam Carricker today made a really good point on Twitter. He said, you know, we've played seven really good quarters of defense football and that's shouldn't be something that we should gloss over coming into the season that was a major area of concern and we've played really pretty well on on defense up until that final quarter and there can be a number of reasons why that went south on us but there's been some good too so dave i guess if you had an area of concern or an issue what what's uh, been on your mind just to follow up really quick on that before i i throw out my issue i guess was with the defense with the seven quarters i think it's a really good point and i think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the year because if it was an elevation issue if those guys just ran out of air essentially oxygen in quarter four, that's not going to happen the rest of the year. So it'll be interesting to see how their conditioning plays out. 
I, I would say an issue that stands out to me is is that we are missing Stanley Morgan or a Stanley Morgan-like receiver right now that Adrian has a lot of confidence in. You know, at times last year, one of the criticisms you could throw out to Adrian was that he relied too much throwing to Stanley Morgan, um, always looking for him, even sometimes in double coverage, and Stanley would go up and make a catch anyway. And uh, he doesn't have that this year per se, and it feels like maybe sometimes he's spending too much time in that pocket looking for someone to truly be open, where last year he just, if no one was an open right off the bat, he would find Stanley Morgan, and, and that was the play. I don't know that's going to be an easy thing to resolve, but I would like to figure out how Adrian's pre-snap read and post-snap read is influencing where he's taking the balls. All right. We're going to go on to the next question. Boomer, I'm going to throw this one in your direction since you're the special teams coordinator on the uh, Redcast. And Shane from Facebook asked, what happened to our GD kicker? I'll just assume what GD means there. Um, we are a family podcast. Gosh darn. Um, and in addition to that, this is also kind of along the same way, uh, Swobes from the Go Big Redcast at Gmail account, he asked about in the overtime, would you have kicked it at 4th and 16 with the, the backup kicker or would you have gone for it? So, Boomer, kind of two questions there. Let's start with what happened to our kicking situation and what would you have done in that overtime situation? Well, the kicking situation, you hear rumors and things on the internet, so I, I don't know how much credence to give any particular one of them, but clearly injuries are bothering all of our place kickers, and it's so bizarre. I don't, I couldn't think of the last time where a team's had your starting place kicker and your backup place kicker both go down with injuries in the first couple of weeks. I'm not even sure when that would have happened in the past. So that's going to be a challenge for any team. Not many teams are you know successfully three deep with place kickers, so... That's going to be a challenge for anyone. So, uh, you know, I've heard today that they're even looking for, you know, possibly some kickers from the, the, the club soccer teams are trying out, see if there's anyone to have as a backup on that end. As far as the the overtime play goes, I think on 4th and 16, I think you have to take that shot at the field goal at that point. I'm mean, Armstrong's, the leg was there. The kick was far enough. The accuracy was just kind of lacking. That was a tough situation. You saw our first three plays, we went backwards. So did you, would you, did you have a lot of faith in any fourth and 16 play we would have dialed up at that point? We didn't really show yeah. a whole lot in that second half. and there, I wouldn't have felt confident with a whole lot of plays. We certainly weren't seeing a whole lot at that point. Yeah, and Dave, we, you know, at halftime, we watched uh, Armstrong kicking. We sure did. I was actually looking back. Our, our senior account executive, uh, Redcast Rob, was watching the game with us, and we were a lot watching Isaac Armstrong. And now, this is with one of those, like, you know, it's like a place kicker holder thing. It wasn't actually with an actual human being holding the ball, but he was, Isaac Armstrong was probably hitting from 55 to 60 yards with easy clearance. I mean, he had the leg to hit deep balls. Very different when you're lining up with a pressure kick, people coming at you snapped ball, all those type of things. But he has the the leg to kick a distance field goal. It's just do they have confidence in him actually doing that, something that he hasn't clearly hasn't done at the Division One level. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I would have kicked the field goal because I saw him kick at halftime, and he could clearly hit 48 yards uh, without a, an issue. And where were our playmakers at at that moment, right? I mean, I, I don't feel that, that confidence that – Adrian would have found J.D. or or Wandell or or Maurice for 16 yards. So let's start looking forward then, right? And we got a couple of – we have a comment here from Mike on Twitter. He says, my thoughts are look back at Osborne's career, especially the first 10 years, and look at some of the early season losses and bowl losses. Look at some of those scores in those teams. So, I mean, he's trying to make a comparison between, you know, Osborne and getting an opportunity. I think Tom Chattel talked with us about that a couple weeks ago in that interview where he he mentioned that Osborne was given a chance by his AD in those first few years to get some things right when he made changes. He was switching his quarterbacks from passing to running. All that took some time, right? And that's Tom Osborne. So, speaking of the future, Tony Hayek on Twitter he asked us, he goes, this CU game reminded me all too well about the Northwestern game last year. Could that mean we could see the rest of the season go the way of the last six games went last year where we really turn it around on both sides of the ball? I'll start with you, Mac. I said it earlier, and I, I, I kind of stand by it. I've seen enough from this team in flashes or for a consistent period of time where I feel like if we put together a full game, we're going to be very difficult to handle. And I'm basing... I guess the next part of my answer to this question on 
what I saw from last year is this is a team that improved last year. They got better as the season wore on and they became more comfortable. They started flying around a little bit more. You know, maybe we overestimated where they would start this season based off of last season. But if we continue to progress, I see enough pieces in the puzzle to, to be a pretty good team. So, uh, you know, ideally, yeah, this is this is that Northwestern game, and we turn it around from here, and uh, and we go forward. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for sure. Dave, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with Max that we can we can turn this thing around. It could have happened as early as, as this week. I, I'm intrigued, Mac. Maybe I'll, I'll throw it back to you a little bit, just with offensively. I've seen some Twitter stuff. I have finally ventured back on it in the last 24 hours. And talking about reviewing uh, UCF, for example, and how all those touchdowns, so many of the passing touchdowns, guys are running wide open and free, right? And I was talking to Honky about this after the game. Some people were saying, oh, they figured out Frost system or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, even Urban Meyer has been quoted in saying that, you know, that Frost is one of the most unpredictable play callers, essentially, you could potentially find out there. And so I just find it hard to believe that in over an off season, everybody's figured out the system. So, so what's going on with the offense on not seeing to, from a scheme perspective, get some open shots, or maybe we are getting open shots and Adrian's just not identifying that player. I mean, do you have any thought on that? You know, I've kind of thought about that. Well, a lot because the one thing I was not prepared for going into this season was maybe Adrian to struggle, and particularly in the decision-making category of things. In a layman's eye, I, I don't know the spread. I don't know the calls. But there are times where either I feel like he should pull it and run it. He should have thrown it quicker. Or, you know, maybe he doesn't spend as much time in the pocket as he should. I feel like, why isn't he tucking that run? Last year, he kind of just did that. And I wonder sometimes, you know, they talk about first year was installation and we're just trying to teach him the plays. And the second year is about technique and fine tuning. I almost wonder if it's the fine tuning that is possibly slowing the team down a little bit. Maybe we're thinking too much about details and we're not balling out like we were last year and just sort of playing with reckless abandon. Um, and that might be the next evolution to this offense. And once we get to that point, we're like, okay, guys, we're confident what we know. Let's go out and let our athleticism take over. And then we can really shine. Cause I think we've all seen points in this offense where it's like, okay, they've got it. They've got it figured out. Everybody's clicking. The ball's coming out fast. You know, when he, when Frost talks about being scheming, my one concern is I've seen, to me, it feels like we've made a very big effort to get Wandell the ball and then Maurice the ball. And I don't know that this offense works the best when you're trying to get certain guys the ball. I feel like this offense works the best mm-hmm. when you're just flowing with the game plan. And maybe we're trying to force or generate a little too much offense by, by scheming certain guys into the play. Yeah, and now as, as we evolve through the season, maybe that changes, and, or or maybe we just get better at doing it. But yeah, I'm not that worried just yet. If there's one trend that's out there, boy, we sure can have no trouble scoring a touchdown on the first drive, and that goes well into to last season. I think we should script maybe <laughs> eight to nine plays. Honestly, <laughs> we should just script the whole game. I think is, is the way it goes. This is not surprising to come from me. I'm very big on the QB run game, and I really like to see this offense go through Martinez's legs. Number one, how you figure out getting his legs more involved in the offense and getting him outside of the pocket, uh, you know, designed rollouts, play action rolls, direct, I mean, speed options, and then having RPOs when you're outside there. All those things are good. Right now, he just seems to be struggling a bit sitting inside the pocket and trying to read a defense and feeling the pressure coming like that last sack in, in the overtime. It's just an unfortunate one because Dave, you and I were watching it from the end zone angle and it was like, he had 30 yards of nobody around him if he if he just steps two feet to the right and then starts taking off. Nobody was out yeah. there. And that's not a unique play right now. And what that's telling me a bit is that he's just struggling at times seeing the field a little bit out of that pocket. He sometimes feels pressure that's not there. The snaps, we haven't even, we've gone this deep into the show and we haven't talked about the snaps. Talk about something that got better. But when we were watching video in South Alabama game and then – even a little bit this last week, even with almost exclusively good snaps, he still hops a little bit when the ball is coming to him. There's just an element he's not comfortable with something that doesn't feel like. There's one thing we haven't really talked about either is, 
you know, as far as defensive coordinators we're facing now, they, they've got a year of tape on Adrian now. They've got a year of tape to break him down and see maybe where they think his strengths are. And so we might be seeing the, the first portions of our staff now having to adjust to defenses adjusting to Adrian. And maybe we need to tweak that a little bit too. But this is the first time he's gone against defenses that have got a lot of film on him and have maybe game plan for him. So there's maybe just a little bit of period of time where he's feeling that out. And, you know, we are still trying to establish who, the, who our top running backs are and how we're going to run this ball. So, like I said, I I've seen enough flashes of the offense know we can get it done. It's a matter of knowing and how to call the plays, when to call the plays, and the timing of it. Well, then that leads to another question. This came from Jeremy on Twitter, and I'll go to you with this, Dave. He says, going back to last year, it seems the staff has really struggled with halftime adjustments. Looking back at the last year at UCF, it seemed like it was the exact opposite. What are your thoughts? And, and I can, I'm looking at you right now, and you're kind of giving a strange well, face like – Honestly, I, I, you may not agree with that question. Yeah, because I guess I'm thinking about second halves last year, and we had some pretty darn good second halves, if I'm not mistaken. I guess I could be wrong on that, but I feel like we actually did all right in the second half at times. I, I would agree that this year it, it has been different, but just go back to the Iowa game. You know, offensively, uh, we looked pretty good in the second half of the Iowa game where we struggled a little bit earlier in that game. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a consistent pattern per se. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we played better in the second half against Wisconsin than we did the first half for sure. Yeah, Minnesota, we kept going there too. I mean, I think in general, maybe the question then, let's simplify it to just adjustments. And this goes back to what we were just talking about earlier, that things that work at the beginning of the game as the, as the game goes on sometimes aren't working as well. How do we have so much success in those first drives and then, my goodness, drive two and three and four – can can just completely stall, and it's hard to say. It's hard to say how much of that is halftime adjustments, or we're not as executing as well in the second half. I always feel like the second half adjustments are always maybe possibly just a bit overrated. You know, if you had a little momentum going in, it feel it feels like to me you should be able to carry that forward going in the second half. I don't know. It, it I I can clearly see execution issues in the second half that I wasn't seeing in the first half. We were missing tackles in the second half that we were that we were not missing in the first half. So scheme or adjustments, I, we just have to play better. It's just play on the field. So Richard from Twitter, and maybe this leads to some of the consistency. Richard asks, uh, what do you think would be the best run options for this team? I'll go a little deeper than just what are the best run options. I guess maybe I'll just I'll ask the question this way. is like, what's the most consistent thing you've seen us do up to this point? Boomer, I'll start with you. What's the most consistent thing? If, if you could just say, hey, run this play 10 times in a row and you think you're going to get something out of it, what have you seen up to this point on offense that kind of makes you feel like this thing is can work? Consistently, I guess we don't seem to run it a lot, but when we do go to the tight ends, they have been open, and you know those, those plays have you know netted positive yardage. I don't know why we we haven't done more of that. I guess we need to break down and see if they're just being covered up the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, we did have times when you know if you want to run Martinez off the tackles, he is capable of getting several yards, you know, four or five, six yards, which we don't seem to be getting with any of the other running backs, particularly you know in, inside. That seems to have been the big problem. So I guess if you just need that kind of some positive yardage in a rush, maybe that's what you need to go to. Otherwise, you just have to, uh, uh, you know, Mills just hasn't seemed to produce the way we expected him to. And I'm not sure why that is, if it's, you know, all on him or if it's just the line's not blocking the way we'd hoped for as far as that goes. Otherwise, you just keep giving Maurice the ball. And he seems to have been more dynamic and able to generate things more often than our other running back options have been so maybe just keep giving Mm -hmm. it to him and see what he can bust outside yeah that's an interesting point on the o-line a stat that a co-worker of mine was telling me and i I haven't verified this but i don't have any reason to think it's not right was talking about the o-line rotation that the starters took every snap in that game against colorado so i guess cam's off that pitch count (laughs) yeah Potentially, you know, is there a way to, to work a sixth and a seventh guy, eighth guy under the line if that, you know, will help with having fresher players towards the end of the game? I don't know. See, to me, that's grasping at straws. I'm like, that that was an overall issue. I thought the line protected well. I just, it's just a matter of everybody executing at the same time through four quarters. Well, but fatigue is can cause you to not, you know, well, they execute. shouldn't have been tired. They didn't have that many snaps. Well, yeah. I'm just saying fatigue is, is clearly can be a reason why you could start to tire out and, and not 
execute as well, you know, and that we can get to defense in a little bit, but that's part of it. Dave, is there something that you've seen on offense that you feel like you can kind of hang your hat on with this team through two games? I guess I'd go back to the uh, the fourth and one in the fourth quarter where we were on about the five-yard line, and uh, they had Adrian run off tackle there a little bit, and I ended up scoring a touchdown. I mean, I feel like that would be, if you asked me, that's the one play that we should have ran in overtime again. And I understand that I guess Adrian does have a, a, a fumble issue potentially, but I, I feel like that's a very successful um, play. So if I needed five yards, I'd, I'd run that. If I could complain about the play calling in, in OT, it's Adrian should have had the ball. It's interesting to me. I mean, there are times where we have fans that will sit there and say, well, well we went vanilla and we, we weren't being aggressive. And then we'll come out and say, well, look, with five minutes left on the, the clock, we yeah. get the ball after back. A and turnover, we, after a turnover, we, we, we threw the ball, which, yeah. which I could argue you know, we shouldn't have. We should have run yeah. the ball. We should have got the clock going. But at least it, that contradicts the fact that we were being indecisive. Mac, on the offensive side, is there something that you feel is kind of a that hang-your-hat play right now? Well, I would say our opening drives are pretty good. Generally speaking, I would hang my hat on our opening drives, and, it, <laughs> and we're pretty good at scoring. I mean, we have been for, I would say, probably the last eight games. I'm not exactly sure on that stat, but that's the one that's in Well, so head. what are we doing in those drives, I guess? We're scoring. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> and I would say consistently, Maurice provides a spark in the run game. We need to – there hasn't been a game yet where we've forced the ball to JD. Like I said before, we I feel like we've forced the ball to Wandell. We've kind of forced the ball to Mills. We've forced the ball to Maurice. We have not forced the ball to to JD yet. And so I don't know. I, I, I would like to see this offense more work within that, that kind of flow within who's open based on numbers and get the ball to them. And if we can see more of that, then it becomes – Less about who the players are, more about how we're how we're just executing. Speaking of players, you know we have some roster updates that have happened now, kind of over the course of the week. Uh, there's a new position on the depth chart at nickel. Jojo Doman, he's the only player listed there. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt is now the starting safety. It looks like Deontay Williams is going to be. You know he's not on the depth chart. Looks like he's probably injured and out for the season. And Boomer, as we mentioned earlier on special teams, Barrett Pickering's not on the depth chart, although. Um, I did hear Sipple today was talking about how he's been doing some kicks in practice. So it doesn't sound like it's a season ending kind of thing, but he's at least he's not on the depth chart right now. What position is Jojo listed at? He's listed as a nickel. Nickel. Which is a new position on the depth chart. Nickel. Look at this photograph. I was just waiting for it. (laughs) Oh, Nickelback? Oh, God. (laughs) We're sorry, Redcasters. We've. Just, I'm not. I love Nickelback. Let's just put it down. Just wait a second. <laughs> He's on a roll. What if we ever played West Virginia? Mountain Mama? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so we're going to move to defense a little bit here. And Bill on Twitter, uh, in your analysis, how many missed holding calls did you see? And were the Huskers getting the benefit of the doubt as well? I'm not an officiating expert, but I recall at least two that happened in the second and third down that could have changed game momentum. Um, I saw one on Honus on the touchdown run where the guy got like he horse collared him. There wasn't even a, a hint of a flag. They didn't even mention on the uh, replay. So there was one. I got one. <laughs> Dave, has anything jumped off the the TV or the screen when you've been watching it defensively with all? I, I think watching the game in person, I, I definitely thought there was one or two times, but that's probably pretty typical on on a game average. So I didn't think it was excessive in this game, but I, I could be wrong. Were there any holding penalties called? On anybody in the whole game? I mean, the rest, I think, decided there was better stuff to do in Boulder than watch a game, so they were gone, it seemed, for most of it. There was a legal man downfield. There yeah, were... there were a couple things here and there, but I don't remember anybody. I think Colorado got a holding call on us when we had the sack anyway, but I think Darian Daniels broke through the line and they yanked him, but then we still got the sack from Oh, the that's right, yeah. Yeah, they did hold us, and yeah, we sacked mm-hmm. anyway. That is true. So they did try once and didn't do him any good. That's right. I guess, you know, to answer your question, Bill, I, from my perspective, I didn't see anything officiating-wise that was out of the ordinary. I, I thought I don't either. I thought it was a pretty fair game there. And sometimes it requires rewatching the game again, the thing that us fans don't want to do when we lose, but you rewatch it and you see it a little differently. Dave, when we were watching the game live and that first penalty on the third down, the late hit that extended Colorado's drive, I mean, Husker fans, I'm the last person to tell you not to get upset. I was furious. 
That was, I mean, I was irate that we would make such a stupid play and, and extend a drive on a third down and how dumb that was. And then I rewatched it and I, I can totally understand what Lamar was doing. It, it wasn't as stupid of a play as what I thought I yeah. first saw. I, I can legitimately see and understand how maybe he didn't hear it. Exactly. Didn't see it. The it, ball bounces up. It's in the receiver's hand. He even kind of almost looked like he made a little bit of a move and Lamar just wanted to finish the playoff. You know, the, the refs had to make the yeah. call. Don't get me wrong, but but it wasn't the same thing that I thought I saw with my eyes live. We remember like Antonio Reed. I think it was was in Michigan State last year. Oh. He thought he blew up a guy. Starts cheering himself on, <laughs> and the guy's you know five yards past him. Lamar Jackson in this play thought the guy the guy did have the ball in his hands. Yeah. He didn't see it skip, and he hit him to try to blow it up. It was an effort penalty. And yeah. listen, the officials had to call it. And there was no way you couldn't call that a late hit. But I. I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault the guy for playing. I tell you what, right now, Lamar Jackson is playing at a very high level so far this year. We're two. We're two games in. I'm pretty pleased with the defense. Mac, the the touchdown that they they scored to tie the game that was in our end zone. That Honky and I were watching the game, and <sighs> we were watching that, and I was like, I mean, I couldn't imagine better coverage from Lamar in that one. I, maybe I'm wrong on that. He got fingers on the ball. I mean, it was he, insane. I, my, my take on on Stephen Montez. It, it, this is a bit of a segue here, I guess. But in two games, watching Montez play against Nebraska, when we get pressure on him, we had what six sacks last year. We had three, maybe in the first half again this year. You get pressure on that guy, and he can't find his receivers deep down the field, and you can contain him pretty well. But if he has time to throw, he has really good touch on his deep balls. And it's just, it's maddening because in both games, we've let Montez beat us with deep balls in the second half. It's weird. You don't see the guy making great passes out in the flats or crossings or anything like that. But you let Steven Montez throw the ball deep and he's got great touch. And he did it again against us in this game. And it was so frustrating to watch that. But that ball was perfectly placed. Lamar couldn't do anything more than what he did. Nothing. He didn't interfere with him. He got his hand in there. He had another play, you know, later in the game where I think was that right before overtime where he broke that pass up. Oh yeah. You know, and like that was that was a position last year when I saw Lamar and a lot of our defensive backs get a pass interference call on that. He did a good job of getting his hands out there and not interfering. Lamar was in great position and you're right, Dave, like the ability to drop dimes the way if he if he was unmolested and he was just able to throw the ball back there, it's hard to beat, you know. But it took perfect passes. And I'm okay living yeah. by the sword and dying by the sword on that. If you're gonna if it's gonna take perfect passes to beat us, well, okay. Hey, then you won. And this staff has made the statement on defense that we're gonna get better with turnovers. That was a clear uh, off-season goal. It's something that they, they've harped on. And you see it with how much we're punching at the ball. Oh, yeah. And, and not giving up on plays. That that long uh, kickoff return, what, was it Chenault that was running that one yep. back? And 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 Taylor Britt punches it out the last second. Uh, Lamar intercepts that one pass. Great coverage there. He, Dave, our angle was perfect. He was right in between. He played it so perfectly and got Montez to basically throw the ball, and he was standing right, right between him and the receiver. You know, there has been so much improvement on defense, and I wanted to give a couple stats here. Right now, Nebraska on defense, we're ranked nationally number four in interceptions. We're 22nd in sacks. We're 29th in rushing D. We're number 31 in defensive efficiency. Those are things that, you know, I think all those stats, we would have been very, very happy two weeks ago prior to the season starting. Now, we're 84th in total D. And we're 115th in passing D, so just passing yardage in general. I mean, that, you know, I don't know what number we are if a 97-yard pass gets removed from that off of a flea flicker. But the point is you got to give credit to to uh, you know Colorado for making some incredible passes there too. But I mean, It does make a humongous difference, though. It's one attempt. It's like 90-some <laughs> yards. There's only two – you know, there were only two games in. That's a humongous one stat that would change that incredibly. Yeah, I mean, with, without a doubt. But – it was a great play. It was a Quincy and Unwa kind of play. Mm-hmm. It was max protect and perfect time to do that. So you, at that point, you also have to tip your hat to them. I saw some things in this game, Dave. I thought defensively on the line, we talked about the O-line maybe not having rotation, but I thought the D-line, they did a fabulous job of going through three guys at a time. I mean, it was Stilly and Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas 
on the field, and then they'd take those three off, yep. and you had your starters, the Davis Twins and Darian Daniels out there, and they were going through that really well. Mm-hmm. They had Miller out there with uh, Hannes and, and uh, Barry rotating, so they had a nice rotation there at inside linebacker. Um, Alex Davis maybe, I think, played maybe his best game I've seen him play. I mean, he was really Caleb involved. Tanner, too. Caleb Tanner gets his first sack. Uh, JoJo Doman, again, you know, now we're hearing kind of this thing with, with the nickel. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. There was a point I saw him on the same side of the field as Caleb Tanner, and I was telling that to Dave at the time. So I'm like, well, that's weird. I mean, is it, are two outside linebackers on the same side? Well, maybe it, maybe they're just trying to get him out on the field in a different kind of spot playing this nickel. Who knows? But, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of things on mm. defense that are a plus. And I'll stop with this, too, is that in the first half, our tackling was as good as I've seen in years. I, I told Dave that at the time. I'm like, this is nuts. We are not missing anything. And then by the yeah, – it started happening kind of tail into the third quarter and then a lot of the fourth quarter, there were times we had two or three or four guys missing. If I was to tell you that we will improve as a team – like we did last year by the beginning of the season to the mm-hmm. end of the season. Would you be pretty confident in how the, 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 the season result would be? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to Tony Hayek's question, mm-hmm. I would say I feel like we are right now comparable to where we were playing at in that Northwestern would, game of yeah, a year that's ago. A great, that's exactly or, or right. That Minnesota about, game. about Northwestern Minnesota, we had not we hadn't caught our stride till then. And like if we catch our stride, say Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. if we catch our stride then we're going to be pretty formidable. I mean, you can't tell me that we don't have playmakers. You can't tell me that we don't have defenders. You can't tell me that we don't have playmakers on the defense. You know, we've got guys who are ball aware. We've got guys who have already proven interceptions. We've got guys. Lamar Jackson's playing a level he's never played at before. Caleb Tanner's playing a level he's never played at before. Honus is playing very well. The the defensive line as a whole is playing very well. I mean, I I, I understand everybody's frustration with the loss to Colorado. I get it. I hundred percent get it. But if you can't look at this team and go, well, there's no fatigue there. You know, like the defense had to be on the field and hung out to dry several times in a row before Colorado could capitalize on us. You can't tell me that you're not seeing progress. You're not seeing a, a change in the how how we're approaching games. You know, if, if Martinez gets it squared away at all, it, it's lights out. Let's talk about that third element of the game then, Boomer, was special teams. And oh, right Boomer, now, you got some work to do, bro. <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, there's field position still, some issues. Uh, I even was mentioning with Dave about, you know, should we put two punt returners back there? There's times we didn't catch the punts and we give up some extra yards there. But in general, I mean, where are you? Where are we at right now, do you think, on the special team? You know, given the circumstances we've had with kicking you know, or the kickers themselves, I guess I'm not too torn up about, you know, how we perform so far. The return yardage, you know, is always a consequence. We've had one great punt return this year, and the rest have all been fairly average, but it hasn't been terrible. You know, Armstrong's punts have overall been pretty good from the kicking end of things, uh, even when they weren't great kicks, as we saw against, you know, South Alabama, at least they're getting some good bounces, and I thought against Colorado, his punts were, were excellent, didn't have any concerns there. It's just been a, an ongoing problem as, in Nebraska in general, just finding ways to return. Uh, you know, the kickoff return game, they were booting them out of the end zone, so there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity there for it. Oh, you know, overall, nationally, we're not doing terribly as far as punt return yards go. I think we're somewhere like 15th in the country in punt return yards. Granted, a big chunk of that was from one big, uh, big return, um, on a, on a on a punt, but there's always room for improvement there to flip that field, and this would be a good week to see what we can do on that. Maybe experiment a little against a team that's not great, you know, with uh, with punting. So yeah, and you know the crazy thing about last week's game from a kicking standpoint was we were talking about right in the game was how good the kicker overall looked with you know all of our kickoffs went into the end zones. We made all of our extra points. We made that that first field goal. I mean, I was really pretty pleased. That was going to be a point. Of a positive point I had written down to talk about on the show. And, of course, you know, we missed that last one, which I'm not even going to begin to put anything on Armstrong there. My goodness, to to be put in that situation, that's a tough kick for anyone, let alone someone that's just, you know, really brand new to doing it. So, yeah, special teams, I mean, I, I think we're seeing improvement in that area, too. Our kick coverage has been pretty good. I mean, it really has been pretty good. I, I, I see I see the athletic improvement almost on every facet of the field. I mean, would you agree? Yeah. Like, do you see I, – I see guys that are bought in, we're bigger, stronger, ready to hit. I like the attitude on a lot of it. 
We just need to we just need to create an, a culture of winning. We don't have the killer instinct. Frost mentioned it. I couldn't agree more. Yep. But that's not something you couldn't necessarily yep. develop. And we talked about all last year that when problems would arise, and I think there's so many less problems right now than what we had a year ago oh, at this time. Oh, a million but, times. For, for instance, but, one win. Yeah. But when we but when problems would arise, they would address them. And I think we've already seen a major one in this year, snaps. snaps. In that first game, they weren't an issue in that yep. second game. So stay with these coaches here. And, and most – Look, 95% of Redcasters and everyone out there, I know we're not, you guys aren't jumping off the ledge, okay? And I know you're not the ones calling for Frost head and everything. I got a text message from multiple people after the game. Oh, Scott Frost, bad coach. I'm like, oh, that's just so dumb. But the point is, stick with these guys and, and we'll keep getting these things better. Dave, let's move forward. Let's, let's look ahead to, to Northern Illinois here and, and we'll wrap the show up. But, um, I, I think maybe the next question for all of us here is, what do you want to see versus Northern Illinois? Taking everything into account that we've just talked about, and I'll start with you, Dave. What do you want to see versus Northern Illinois besides, obviously, a win? Yeah, that'd be nice. You know, I, I would love to see the offense just get into rhythm, and I think uh, that would lead to the big plays that we're expecting to see. It That's probably the most frustrating part of that offense is uh, – is just the lack of, of kind of cadence that we've seen in past games uh, later last year where everything started to click. And so I want that offense to click at least for a, a half. I think that's a great answer. Boomer. I think it's pretty well sums up what I want to see out of this. Uh, Northern Illinois is a team that played Utah reasonably tough. I think it was 21 to 17 at half, you know, at halftime in that game this week. And they finally got overwhelmed in the second half. Um, and I think we're all familiar they're not necessarily a pushover. They're probably not going to be coming into Memorial Stadium afraid in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I want to see if this team can rebound from a tough loss. You know, they've talked about it's up to them. It's not fate, anything like that. They need to rebound. They need to do what's right. Well, let's here's your great opportunity to do it. You know, let's see what you can do. Try to put together a whole game. Show us where you can improve. Let's let's actually see it done on the field. Mac. Well, I remember earlier this year you talked. You asked me what I wanted to see on defense, and I wanted to see guys flying around and, and hitting and doing this and that. I guess uh, on the offensive side of things, I've seen that from the defense. Frankly, I've seen us flying around and hitting. I want to see us flying around on offense. I want us to see. I want to see. Playmakers making plays. I want to see chunk plays. I want to see down the field plays. I I I love the I love the running backs in the passing um, in the passing game and the tight ends too. But let's push the ball downfield. Let's start stretching this field out and and see what this offense can do. We need to open it up. Yeah, and for me, I'd like to see that killer instinct I, for the third straight game. And I want to repeat this for the third straight game. I want to I want to get up by three scores on a team. Okay. But the, this time that it happens, there is no such thing as taking the foot off the pedal or any of that kind of stuff. There's, we aren't good enough to be taking any foot off of any pedal. And so this week, I'd like to see us get to that three-score lead, and I'd like to see us extend it. And I'd like to see the backup quarterback get onto the field for the first time and start to build some yeah, of that depth no and get more than five offensive linemen on the field. That's what I'd like to see this week against Northern Illinois. And uh, I, I don't have any reason to believe that this team can't do it. All right, so we have actual game predictions there, and we do have, we want to put some, uh, sure, some numbers out here. Hey, Mac, what, what do you got? I'm going to go with Northern Illinois 20, Nebraska 42. 42 to 20. All right, Boomer? Let's go Northern Illinois 17, Nebraska 35. And Honky? I'll go Nebraska 38, Northern Illinois 13. All right. It's always tough picking the last because like pick the best numbers. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go uh, Nebraska 41, Northern Illinois 17. Um, uh, yeah, let, let, let's hope that turns out in, in that manner. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else we want to cover on this Redcast? All right, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky, what do you got? All right. Well, first off, I want to thank all the Redcasters that sent us emails and Facebook and Twitter messages to kind of make this mailbag show happen. Uh, this was the best way that we felt we could kind of hit on the the last week's game, and this doesn't happen without you guys sending us uh, everything. And we, we had other things that we didn't even get to, other questions in there too. So thank you to everyone. Um, we're over 8,000 Redcasters now. 
Uh, we've passed York to become the 20th largest city in Nebraska, and your next alliance. So <laughs> alliance we, takeover. We just keep growing. So thank you very much, uh, Redcast Nation. And last but not least, and uh, you know, I spent the weekend in Colorado with Dave and uh, his next door neighbor, Iowa Sean, who's been on our show. Uh, he and I stayed up till about three o'clock, and on Friday mm. the night before, we talked football. Oh my gosh, it was great. And and I have a man crush on an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I. I'm I'm positive of the day. <laughs> that is gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I I left those two to be alone. I did not want to experience that. I would have to say, hockey, just to add to the the trip. It was a great time to have you out. We did have great Colorado fans. Uh, yeah, very good tailgating experiences. Nothing but positive uh, experiences um, across the board there. So, um, you know, take that to the uh, the reputation. Mac, what do you got? Uh, mine's just a, a shout out to Husker Nation. Uh, not going to the game, not traveling, not seeing what you guys saw in Boulder. It, you know, I was waiting on bated breath to see like the Twitter feeds and everything like that to see how many Husker fans actually showed oh. up. Husker Nation, you, you showed out so proud. I, it's hard when you take a, a shot in the gut like that after a loss, but I mean, listen, the only reason we had any chance at Scott Frost is because it's a, because of our fandom. So mm-hmm. let's 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 appreciate that for a second. You know, like recruits saw that. I'm like, yeah. listen, Colorado had official visits that week, and they're like, oh, and look at all these people here to support you. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. So, kudos, Husker Nation, it, proud of you. I, I do just have to touch on it for a second. It was unreal, and especially in the area that we were tailgating to begin with. There was a point my dad texted me, and he's like, you know, so how are the Buffalo fans treating you? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen one. It was (laughs) – everything was red. We went into a Safeway to get some beers and stuff, and the entire grocery store was taken over with people in red. And then we started walking into tailgate areas that are, you know, more traditional Colorado, and they were at least – 50-50. 50-50. It was insane. So it was not a shock when we got into the yeah. stadium, Dave, to see what we saw. And they can play it off like, well, thanks for all the uh, economic injection, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Don't get they, it twisted, Colorado. That was embarrassing. Your stadium was red. You should be ashamed. And, and, and Dave is right. The Colorado fans that we talked to, 99% of them were awesome, and 99% of them were really embarrassed by that. They they were embarrassed that's the by the proper takeover. percentage. That's exactly yeah. what. But you're they saying. but they were so that's like what twelve people that would have been there then ninety nine percent of Colorado <laughs> fans. Uh, Boomer, what do you got? Well, uh, just a few things. First off, we'd like to apologize to the uh, Redcast listeners. We did want to get this off a few days earlier, but unfortunately, Honky's fancy microphone, you know, crapped out on him. So uh, I, my North Korean microphone's still going strong. So no, no you're there. using my. That <laughs> is that's fake news. That's fake news. Brother. I could plug that's that in, news. and it would work fine today. So <laughs> and anyway, uh, just again, Redcasters. Here's just, Fisher Price. Yep. My first microphone is still working. Still works fine. So in all of its glory. And I uh, just want to remind Redcasters, there are other sports than uh, than football going on right now. Uh, volleyball is going to have a big match with Stanford coming up here in a few days. So uh, turn out for those and enjoy the other sports as well. Go Big Red. All right, guys. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to Saturday evening where we can uh, kind of just cleanse ourselves of this negative vibe, get a win uh, under our belt again, and, and move forward with uh, an, a good college football season. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Pete Norton on the way.